Welcome to another message in God's wonderful Word. Here at the Hillsdale Bible Church, we aim to learn God's way, that we might live God's way. May the words you hear today draw you closer to Him. Open your Bibles and your heart as we learn together in this message. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 13, 13 and 14. We started this last week. Uh, I didn't have enough time and I had too many notes. So uh, we're going to continue verse 13 and 14 today. My plan is to do this. And then next week, um, wow, you know it's November next week. Amazing. Uh, I like to spend the month of November focusing on reasons why we give thanks. And so I have a, a series uh, that we will follow out of the book of Psalms for the next handful of Sundays. And then it's Christmas season after that, in case you haven't remembered. It's coming up quick. So uh, that will be December. And then we will be back to Ephesians again in January. So today we're, we'll finish uh, these two verses and then we'll be off. Ephesians, just for a short while. But here we go, in verse 13. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. There's that phrase we've seen several times. Verse 14, verse 12. Um, we saw it again in verse number 6, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And we're going to um, thank him as we get started here today. Heavenly Father, we do give praise to who you are and, and the glorious things you have done for us. We have uh, your word opened in front of us right now, and we thank you for the privilege of seeing it, uh, to read it in a language we understand to understand it, Lord, we depend upon you. Uh, to apply it, we depend upon you. And we pray that this might be a very uh, productive time in our lives as we focus once again on your wonderful word. Thank you, Lord, for it. Help us again in this uh, uh, part of our service to keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we've been going through a, a, a study here, for those who haven't been with us, a study of the investment God has made in us in order that we might serve Him. He does these things in our lives not without purpose. There's great purpose in what He has done. And what we have seen so far in, in chapter number 1 is that He has chosen us and He's predestined us 
to the adoption of sons, and he has redeemed us, and he's granted to us an understanding of his will. We have seen as well that he's granted to us an inheritance. And now this uh, other blessing we add to that, he has sealed us with his spirit. Sealed us with his spirit. That's an amazing thing. And we started a little bit of that last week to understand what the, the Holy Spirit has been doing in our life. We never got to the phrase, he sealed us. Because of all the other things we've been talking about that he has done. And some people think, well, it sounds all that complicated. And most people don't like complicated things. Uh, every now and then, uh, I'll go and watch... Uh, Paul and, and uh, his uh, academic team do their meets against other t- t- schools. And that's a fascinating thing to watch. If you've never seen one before, it's, you're in for a treat if you ever get to. But uh, out of probably every five questions they raise, one is a math computation question. And uh, that's, a, that's one where either the... Uh, the contestants there, the students that are competing, either they get really eager and they get their pencils ready and they're ready to do the math, or you could see them turn the switch off and their pencils go down and they're completely blank. Um, I'm go completely blank. All right? I, because the answers are usually something related to sine, cosine, square root of pi or something like that. And that's just a foreign language to me that I've never learned. Uh, but it's amazing to see them try to answer those very complicated things. Uh, I find that technology is complicated. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, not even just the computers, but all that goes on around us with uh, electronic gadgets of sorts. I've got a, a story from Brazil that uh, I've got enough to last a year, by the way. Uh, but this one was a very vivid one in my mind on the plane that flew from Atlanta to Brasilia, um, there, there were screens on the, the headrest of the seat in front of you, which I've never been on a plane big enough to enjoy that before. And uh, so I'm looking at the screen wondering exactly what you're supposed to do with it. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it, it wasn't important anyway. I was planning to ignore it until the guy in front of me set his seat back and it came right up to my face. And there was a screen in front of me, and I thought, well, what are I, there, there must be something, you know, you, you do with this. And so I started looking around the, the, the inside of the plane to see what other people were doing. I had two Brazilians sitting next to me, uh, didn't speak English, and so uh, I would thought, you know, I'd just kind of keep an eye on them and see what they did. And they touched the screen, and I could see the, it light up, and there was a menu of sorts, and I wasn't looking close enough to see what it all said, but there were quite a number of items on the on the menu, and he pushed another button, and all of a sudden another screen popped up, and there was, it looked like movies or something to choose from, or games, or, or something of that nature, and, and he just went flipping through it and pushed something, and off he went. He was watching this. Well, I was kind of eager to see what it was all about, but I didn't want to look too eager, so I waited a few minutes, and when... He wasn't exactly looking. Uh, I thought, I'll just hit that screen and see what happens. And, and sure enough, the, the monitor lit up, and there was this menu, and it was for languages, and which was nice because the very first one said English. And I said, 
that's the one I want. And I went to hit it, and we hit turbulence. And I pushed Chinese instead. <laughs> and my whole screen was full of Chinese words. I had no idea what that said. And, and I didn't know what to do at that point, but I had to act cool, right? I didn't want to look panicked, so I acted like I was reading it. Just in case they, they didn't know if I knew it or not. So I was just kind of taking my time looking through the Chinese words and, and I uh, had no idea what it was. And uh, thought, well, surely one of these buttons will get me back out of here and I could go back to the man. I pushed every single one on there. Nothing happened. It was, it was waiting for me to do something. I had no idea what it was. Good thing the flight was eight hours long. It took six hours to get back to the main menu. I'd turn it off, and I'd say, well, next time I turn it back on, it should go back to the default setting. It always came back Chinese. And it was just over and over, and I, I, I didn't want to look panicked, so I just kind of waited it out. And six hours later, I finally hit a button, and I don't know what happened, but it went back to the menu. I was relieved. So I pushed English, and then there were movies on there. I found an animated cartoon and watched that for two hours without any sound. <laughs> That was the best I did with that. Um, but uh, it just seemed so complicated, and everyone else seemed to know what they were doing. And uh, sometimes you, you act like you know what you're doing just so you give that impression. I think that's the way some people treat the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. They just kind of act like they know what's right and what, what it's all about, and, and yet it's, to them it's complicated. They don't really understand but whatever everyone else is doing or just follow that kind of an idea. And yet, we need to understand what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. It is not complicated, by the way. Uh, the only one who really wants us to think it's complicated is false teachers. They have an advantage if we don't understand. And that's one of our problems, that uh, we have failed at times to understand what he has done for us. In this list, in Ephesians, of the blessings the Lord has done for us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, right? Included in that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is a blessing in our life. That work of the Spirit in our life is, is incredibly uh, wonderful. And so we're looking at this passage in verse 13, and he is mentioned at the end of the verse in the fact that we were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, Based on verse 13, what we have noticed is that if you have believed, you were sealed. That's, that's the way it has happened. No one who is a believer has been omitted from the work of the Holy Spirit. If you have believed, you have been sealed. Uh, that's very practical. The way we have defined these words, as I started last week, with the four letters that spell out ribs, R-I-B-S. He has regenerated us. And I'm not going to go through all those verses to show you again. But the Holy Spirit has regenerated us. Our salvation is based on His work. Uh, he has indwelt us at the time of our salvation. He has moved in, and now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's not a question mark. <laughs> that, is, that is a reality. He has baptized us into the body of Christ. And that means He's put you into the body of Christ completely. And that's important. At the time of our salvation, he has done this for us too. And of course, he seals us. That's regeneration, indwells, baptizes, and seals. R-I-B-S. This is what 
he has done for us. And then we added the other things that he has done as well from John 14 through 16. Those chapters uh, speaks of him as our helper, our advocate, the one who, who has come alongside to comfort and to guide us and help us, to aid us. And his time with us is forever. That's what the word said, the duration. I will give you another helper, Jesus said, that he may be with you forever. And we note that work and ministry of his. We saw in John 14 as well that he is the spirit of truth. Because he is the spirit of truth, he is always true. And he always leads in truth. Uh, to know him is to know truth. And, and the reality is he abides in you. This is the spirit of truth. Very important that we get to know him. Uh, John 14:26 tells us he's also our teacher. And he brings to remembrance the things that we need to know. And it's great to have him in that ministry to us. In John 15, he testifies of Jesus. It says, he will testify of me, Jesus speaking. And he said, and because he testifies, you also will testify. So he causes us to testify of Jesus as well. That's part of his ministry in our life. In John 16, we added these other things that he convicts. He convicts the, the world, the unbelievers of sin. He convicts the unbeliever of righteousness. He convicts the unbeliever of judgment. And those are very important things we certainly need in our world, right? The convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we also know that he's a, a pretty good convictor when we're not walking right too. He also convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And, and yet, there's a, a different flavor to that because we belong to the Lord, but he wants us to walk with the Lord. So he will convict us as well, and I think we know that ministry, don't we? He's very good at it. Uh, we saw also in John 16, the fact that he guides us and he will glorify Christ. And those two things are also true of what he's done for us. Add to that the fact that he gifts us. He, he gives us gifts uh, that we might minister in the church body. The gifts are designed to benefit the church, that we might serve in the church to his honor and glory. And he distributes those gifts according to his own will. In other words, he's designing the ministry of the church. He's designing it by taking people who he has indwelt and who he has put into the body of Christ, who he has uh, uh, sealed and gifted, and he places them in a body that they may function by his strength to do his work to build up the church. What a fascinating thing that is. I'd love to talk about that for hours when I think of it. It's a fascinating thing that the Spirit has done. In other words, the church is not just randomly thrown together. It's overseen by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And each one of you are a part of it. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift and you are here for a reason. He has given you a ministry. He's given you something to help benefit the whole. And I think that's fascinating. That's part of his work as well. But where we kind of left off last time is the fact that he also fills us. The Holy Spirit fills us. Now this is in contrast to just the baptizing concept. When he baptizes us, he puts us into the body of Christ. And to fill us is his control in our life. His goal is your maturity in Christ. And I guarantee you one thing. 
He will not quit until he is through. He will not quit. Galatians 5 is a great passage on that. He will not quit. He will accomplish what he set out to do. He will change us. One uh, quote I've always had in my mind, I read it once and I've remembered it well. Wherever the Spirit is at work, change is inevitable. And that's true. And if he's making us to be like Christ, he will not fail. Because as John says, we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That means he's going to accomplish it, won't he? It's unfortunate we go kicking and screaming most of the way. But he will accomplish his work. He is maturing us in the body of Christ. And one good clear passage that speaks to this, you're in Ephesians. Just jump over to 5 for a second. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Look at these words. You've seen them before. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Uh, dissipation, it's the, it's the trait of unsavedness. I don't know if that's a real word, but that's what I've got. It's a trait of unsavedness. Right? Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. He says, but, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is to fill it up. To fill it up. And I picture in my mind a cup, a glass, completely full to the top. That's the nature of this word. And what, what I, I picture in this is several things. Uh, number one is, is simply like this. If you fill a picture, uh, a cup, completely with milk, right, all the way to the rim with milk, there's no room for anything else, right? That's the concept. If it's completely full of one thing, there's, you can't add anything else unless it should spill over. But this, this concept is, is that it's completely controlled as well. The word goes even beyond just simply uh, being filled up, but it has the idea of controlled. I like the word dominated. I think it's a neat word to put into the, the picture here. He has dominated us. And the contrast is pretty simple to see. If you're full of wine to the same degree of this picture, if this wine is controlling you, if this, this wine is dominating you, does it affect your speech? Yeah. Of course, you're speaking from what you've seen other people do, right? It affects speech. Does it affect behavior? Yes. Does it, does it affect your ability to reason? Yes, it does. It has all these, these negative effects on us and causes an awful lot of trouble. What if the Holy Spirit was dominating you? Would that affect your speech? Would it affect your behavior? Would it affect your ability to reason? There's your picture. This is a command. Do you realize that in verse number 18? To be filled with the Spirit is a command. It is not an option for us. As a matter of fact, it's what we call a passive command. In the nature of this, it's, it's not something that you by action can accomplish, but something that you, by submission, see it accomplished. The Holy Spirit does this work in you. You submit to His work. And that's what He means. Be filled 
with the Spirit. Submit to Him. He fills you. He dominates you. And He controls what you say and what you do and what you think. That's powerful. It's just that little word. And it, it's realized in the book of Galatians. I'll show you a nice little list. Someday we're going to do this. We're going to study Galatians 5. But in Galatians chapter 5, he shows you the contrast. When you're not filled, when you're not filled, when you're not controlled by him, this is what you will look like. It says in Galatians 5.19, The deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Those are the work apart from the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when we let our flesh control us. Not a pretty list, is it? That's one side of the picture. When he is not controlling us, this is where we go. When he does control us, verse 22 and 23 is what we show. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Have you seen this list before? Yes, you have. Do you know it's an exact opposite of the previous list? And there's your contrast. And you say, okay, what does this mean? This means simply this. If we are submitting to the Holy Spirit, the fruit that comes from that, the evidence that comes from that, is in verse 22 and 23. When we have not allowed it, if we have not obeyed, if we have not let Him fill us and control us, the evidence of that is in verse 19, 20, and 21. Doesn't that sound like it's one or the other? And that's the reality, folks. Either we are filled or we're not filled. Something is going to fill us. The Holy Spirit is the one who fills. That is a precious, precious, precious blessing the Lord has given to us. That we can have God himself indwell us and bring out the fruits of righteousness. And that's what he's done. Now, related to that is the assurance he gives us as well. The assurance that that our walk is with the Spirit. It, it's something that convinces us over and over and over again that we're in the right relationship with the Lord. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it tells us the Spirit is the one who assures the Christian that he is the child of God. Right? The Spirit himself bears witness, it says. And that's all the time. That's what he does. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He convinces us of that. You know, when we get in trouble and we walk away from the Lord in sin and such, how close do you feel to God? You feel like you're a loved child. <laughs> Usually not. We, we have this... Uh, this concept in our mind that when we're in trouble, we're not walking with the Lord. We know something is wrong, but our tendency is to just keep running that way, right? We just do that. And the Holy Spirit won't let you uh, stay in such a thing. He's got work to do in your life. He also uses what Hebrews chapter uh, 12 calls chastening. You know why he chastens you? Because you are a child of God. That's part of his role. 
that assures us that we are children. Right? Now, growing up, I don't know how many people found you doing something wrong and spanked you that were not your parents. Probably would have been alarming, wouldn't it have been? Next door neighbor all of a sudden goes after you. Uh, somebody in the store goes after you because you're doing something wrong. Wouldn't that have been uh, quite a sight? The Holy Spirit says, you're a child of the Father. My job is to correct you too. What's that to tell you? You belong to Him. You belong to Him. That's assuring work of the Spirit. He not only uh, assures us when we're walking correctly, because He gives us joy, but He also assures us when we're not walking correctly, and He disciplines us to remind us that we belong to the Lord. I like that ministry, even though it's a hard one. Nobody considers discipline pleasant at the moment, do they? But it's a ministry of His. We also know He prays on our behalf, and this is also Pretty awesome. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And in the same way also the Spirit helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. It intercedes and intercedes and intercedes and intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That shows you again, he's very active, not just in the behavior of your life, but also in the way we should think and how we should pray and how we should line ourselves up with the will of God. He does this work in our life. It's fascinating. In other words, folks, what part of your Christian walk is accomplished apart from the Holy Spirit? There is nothing that's in the Christian life that's apart from the work of the Spirit in us. It's amazing to study all these parts and pieces. And after that, his ministry is sanctifying us, making us what we ought to be, to grow in holiness, to be Christ-like. He sets us apart from the world's behavior and thinking, and the verses are just so numerous. I just simply come to a conclusion. Boy, is he busy. He is busy in our lives constantly. And unfortunately, I think when we disobey him, it gives him even more to do. But he is busy. He is busy, busy in our life. Now, let's talk about the last thing that comes along with this. I think all those other things needed to be said to say this in verse 13 of Ephesians 1. And you were sealed. And you were sealed. That's a great word. The word for seal, when you break it down into its definition, it has the idea of a stamp. If you've seen some old uh, movies, perhaps, of kings that had special signet rings, and these rings they would use because it had a, a certain symbol on it to represent the king's ring, his authority, his, his, his name was wrapped up into it. And when documents needed signed, it had to be stamped with that ring. That was to show the king's authority. Uh, the tomb of Jesus was sealed, remember? Pilate had it sealed. So that uh, his authority was stamped over that tomb as well. It, it was a private mark, but it was for security. It was for preservation. It was to show ownership as well. It's, the king's name was on it. Uh, it was to show his authority. And this is kind of interesting, because if we're sealed, if we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, the picture of that word means that we've been marked as being owned by God. Isn't that a fascinating concept right there? You're marked for ownership. 
You're also marked to, to prove and to confirm and to authenticate and put way beyond any doubt that you belong to the Father. He has sealed you with the Spirit. He sealed us. Several times it says this, not just in verse 14, but also in 2 Corinthians 1.22, that He sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. As a pledge. Some of you who have bought houses before, you know what earnest money is all about. I always thought that was a frightful term, earnest money. But you put money down to say that you're serious about buying the house. And then they could go forward with making the contracts and all those other things. They said even back in the Old Testament and New Testament, they had the concept of purchasing things. You had to put out an earnest. Uh, if you purchased a cow, or if you were to claim a wife, they would set out earnest money in this regard. It, it was just speaking of an obligation that we were committing to. Uh, we would express that with earnest money. And here the Lord does something very interesting. And I don't think he had to do this, but I think he did it to confirm what he has done in our hearts. He says in verse 14, right here in front of us, the Spirit who He has sealed us with is the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Do you know God has given you an inheritance? Say yes, we've already done that verse. He did, right? How do you know it's true? The Holy Spirit is the promise. It's the pledge that comes along with the gift that God has given to us. He, in Ephesians, even Ephesians, he says again in verse uh, 30 of chapter 4, the phrase you've heard before, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? But this is the rest of the phrase. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Why do we keep getting reminded of the sealing that he has done in our lives? You were sealed, you were sealed, you were sealed. It keeps coming up in Scripture that you were sealed. And the nature of this word is what we would call in, in Greek grammar an aorist tense. It is done for you, it is completed. It's not waiting on you to do something to make this happen. Nothing for you to do to make this happen. It's done for you, it's done to you, it's not done by you. Right? I make that point on purpose because there are those who don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit or His relationship to them and they feel they need to beg Him to come. They need to beg Him to, to do His work in their life. They need to beg Him to, to show that He's truly there and they look for some manifestation of the Spirit to, to prove that the Holy Spirit's in there. And if you know that, that's not uncommon in the, the concept of speaking in tongues. They want a manifestation. They want proof that the Holy Spirit is in them. And so they go about all these different ways to, to get Him to manifest Himself that they may do something. But here's the fact. As a believer, He's already sealed you. He's already sealed you. That was before you've done anything, by the way. He seals you at the moment of your birth in Christ. And He seals you because you're a believer, not because of what you have done. We're not even saved by what we've done. Nor can we glean the Holy Spirit's work in our life because of what we have done. He does this. And that's just a remarkable side to all these blessings. Think for a second. 
we've walked from verse 3 all the way up to verse 14. How many things did we read here that we have done? There's nothing in the list. It's all what He has done. He has done. He has done. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit's work in our life, that too is what He has done. The evidence of the Spirit at work in our life is not some miraculous ability of speaking in tongues or whatever. It's a display of His conforming us to the image of Christ. That's His primary duty. To make us like Christ. He dominates the characteristics in our life. He shows how He is at work in us when we learn to love like God has loved. When we have joy like God has given to us that joy. When we have peace. When we have kindness. When we have goodness. And I'm back to that list again, right? It's the evidence of the Spirit at work. It's the evidence of the Spirit. These are the manifestations of the Spirit in our life. As we grow to be like Christ, it's evidence that the Spirit is present. The Spirit's working in our heart. So it all comes down to the fact that you've already been sealed. It's already been done. Nothing for you to do to secure Him. He has secured you. He has secured you. Theologically, that's what it is. Sound pretty simple all of a sudden? He has secured you in your relationship with the Father. He has secured you in your salvation. He has secured you in your walk. He has secured you in the the growing to be like Christ. He has secured you to receive the promise that the Father has made. So that means from the birth, when you came to know Christ, until the day you step into glory, the Holy Spirit's work is to keep you secure in that. That's not something you need to do. That's His work. That's His work. I like that. I like that. What that brings us to is that we must learn to walk with Him. That's the push of Scripture. If you look at the the commands that go along with the Holy Spirit, it's simply this. Obey Him. If He's teaching you, listen. If He's guiding you, Follow. If he's teaching you, obey. Right? Walk with him. Walk with him. Walk with him. One of my favorite quotes was by a man by the name of A.C. Dixon. He said, when we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education will do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get what God can do. And He will change us. It's a fascinating work that He's done. That blessing is yours. Do you know it? The Holy Spirit is indwelling you as a believer in Christ. He has sealed you in that relationship with the Father. He has secured us in all these things. It's almost like he's gone through and opened up a book and said, this is what I've done, 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 this is what I've done. And then he stamps his name on the end and it's based on his reputation and his honor and his name that all these things are true. Can you rest in that? Can you rely on him? He just simply says, now walk with me. 
Just walk with me. I like the fact that he secures us. It's a precious thing. As we can see in these words again, look at them. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. You have two things that God has given to us that I highlight here at the end of this thought. Of all the spiritual blessings that He has laid upon us, He has given it all by His Word, right? This is His Word. And He's given to us us these things according to His Word. And then He gives us His Spirit to secure it. I call that a, a compounded security. How can you beat that? God's Word, which never fails, and the Holy Spirit who seals it. I love it. I love those words together. Is there any chance we're going to lose these blessings? Only if you've earned them. But since you haven't earned them, they were given to you. They're not going to be taken away. I think that's precious. You know what that comes down to? I'll just say it real simply. If we don't need to work for our salvation, if we don't need to work to get God's attention, if we don't need to work to have the Holy Spirit dwell in us, if we don't need to do all these things that we might have an inheritance, that we might be chosen, that we might be adopted, that we might be redeemed, if all of that is not our work, then we are free to do what we're made to do. And that is to serve the Lord. Isn't that wonderful to put it just like that? If we had to spend all our time working on getting saved, I don't think we'd have time for anything else, would we? But He has done all this for us. And that's why I've given you the title of this phrase. God's investment in you so that you are free to serve Him. So that you're free to serve Him. Let's talk to the Lord about this. Heavenly Father, we have before us these things that you have done for us. And Lord, that's, that's a beautiful list. An incredible thing that you have loved us and chosen us. That you have lavished upon us all these things related to your mercy and your grace. You have made us very special people. For we belong to you. You are our Father and we are your children. And that's not a relationship that's built on a a thin spider's web, but it's based on the secure actions of the Holy Spirit who is God himself and he indwells in us. There's nothing more solid than this, Lord. In all that we could conceive in our mind, to, to see your work so complete and your work so secure in our lives. We stop and say, thank you, Father. For apart from you, not only can we do nothing, but we would be nothing. But you have made all the difference. And you have put us in this special relationship. And Lord, we have only a few responses that can come from this. One, we can be thankful. And we could express our thanks as the phrase ended to the praise of your glory. And we express that from our hearts here this morning. 
Thank you for what you have done. Thank you. The second thing we could do is serve you with all our hearts. For you have freed us to be your served, your servants, to, to serve you out of our love and our desire, out of our will that's being conformed to yours, out of a reaction for what you have done, but also out of a, a desire to see your, your glory in this world around us. Just where we are, what you have made us to be is a perfect thing, Lord, because it's done by your hand. And I pray that wherever we are right now, at home, at work, the, the relationships we have throughout this week, where you have put us, may we serve you with all our heart, knowing that we're free to do so, and we have everything we need to do it. Thank you for the work of the Spirit in our lives. We give you the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.